good morning, you all. If you like, you can open up to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, we'll be looking at verses uh, 14 through 20. 21, I guess. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all, all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So uh, the title of my message is <clears throat> also the, uh, the application, and it's Pray Ephesians 3. That's simple. Pray Ephesians 3. You know, sometimes people, people make those little plaques, those wooden plaques. Have you seen those? You kind of put it on your bookshelf or on your desk, and it just says pray. Some of you guys that maybe are woodworkers or whatever, maybe you can make one that says pray Ephesians 3. And we could all put it somewhere in the house or something. Put it in the bathroom or every time you're brushing your teeth, I don't know. But this text here is so central, isn't it? I mean, to, be, to, know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's what we're talking about here. And that's what's being prayed here. If you look at this text, maybe you're not as familiar with it, or maybe you're just trying to, what would I say about this text? It can seem like there's a lot of things going on here, but really uh, what we're going to see as we unpack this, it really is the same, the same theme going on, and that is uh, the love of Christ and knowing the love of Christ. That simple. <clears throat> that believers would know more of the love that Christ has for them. It's a central focus here, basically more light on this. And Paul starts out, he's looking at the Ephesian church, and he, in verse 14 he says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father. This, this thing, you know, I, it, I think about Psalm 27.4, this one thing, right, or one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that can dwell in the house of the Lord. I, I, my mind goes there as I think about this. It's like Paul is thinking about the love of Christ. He's thinking about the Ephesians, and he's saying this one thing, in a sense, is what I'm praying for you, that you would have more light on the love of Christ for you. And I th- you know there is that prayer there in chapter 1, that he prays that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know what's the hope that you, what you've been called and the riches of the glory, the inheritance of the saints, and know the immeasurable greatness of his power at work, uh, the resurrection power of Christ at work within us. I, I don't think it's something necessarily different, those two prayers here in Ephesians. Rather, this chapter 3 kind of 
chapter 1 is included in that, this, these riches, this who we are in him, this power that's at work within us to know, know what has been the hope to which we've been called. It's all wrapped up in knowing the love of Christ. It's, it's uh, aspects of that. And he says, this is, I'm bowing my knees before the Father. I mean, he's, he's, I mean it's a, he's desperate for them to see the, more of the love of Christ. This thing, and that just tells us, doesn't it, what, it, I mean, what is most important. Paul, at pastoral heart that he had, what's the greatest thing for the congregation that they could be growing in? What is it? How are they doing in knowing the love of God in Christ for them? How are they growing in that? He said, I'm praying for this for you, Ephesians. He's praised to the Father. In this text, you'll notice there is the, you see the Trinity here, right? He's praying to the Father that who? Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, the Son of God. And then also that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian text, you might say. And he's praying before the Father, Lord, do this for them. Do this for it's it's a desperate. He's bowing his knee, right? When you get desperate, sometimes in prayer, I know it's can we can be in the habit of bowing our knee in times. But when somebody's really desperate, they get down, don't they? Get low, Lord, do this. That's what he's praying. That shows you something of the importance of what we're talking about here. <clears throat> he says he bows his knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Now it may be that it's more a better translation of this might be that from the from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. It may be that it's, it's best understood that he's speaking about this, this family, this every true Christian in heaven and on earth, that he's talking about that. But he goes on to say in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in, in your inner being. That you would be, it says. So that is plural. It's speaking to the church. That collectively the church would be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit. We know this power over there in chapter 1. We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about power to be able to comprehend the love of Christ. And he says, according to the riches of his glory. Now, if I'm a, say I'm a trillionaire. Let's just say that. And I don't want to be. <laughs> Say it, that's the, that's the case. And if I'm going to give you according to my wealth, right? My wealth's way up here. And I'm going to give out of that according to my wealth. I'm going to give you a gift. What are we saying? I'm going to give as the same level that my wealth is on. I'm going to give you in, in a, something in a similar manner as that, right? In this, according to that. So when we speak about when we think about according to the riches of his glory, how much glory is there in God, right? How much riches is there in God? And Paul is praying a very big prayer, isn't he? That in the same level, in the, how much riches and glory there are in Christ, that he would give out of that and strengthen you with the Holy Spirit in your inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I mean, he's praying. This is a big, it's a big prayer. And why is, he, why is he praying that you'd be strengthened with power in your inner being by the Spirit? Verse 17, so that, so that, here's the reason, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, it goes on, we'll get into that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is, it immediately ought to raise a question in your mind. Well, I thought every believer 
was already indwelt by Christ. I mean, Paul said in, the, in Galatians 2.20 that, right, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I mean, we're indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, every believer. And yet here Paul is praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. He's not talking about the initial indwelling of the believer by the Spirit of Christ. What he's taught, he, it's more indicating the continual presence of Christ, the, the influence, right? If somebody were to come and live in your home, they're, they're taking up residence, right? There's influence there that's touching every aspect of your life, that Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. Your heart in the Scripture, remember, it's very, something, the very core of who a person is. Right, the seat of your your affections, your emotions, your your desires, your will, what you what what you what you will in that, and also your thoughts. That Christ would dwell in your heart. What we're talking about is something very profound. Dwell in your hearts by by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, will have strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge. So the same thing going on here that Christ dwelling in the heart of the believer. And I'm saying is this, that it is that you would know more the love of Christ that he has for you. Now, you may say, well, being rooted and grounded in love. What is that love? I mean, you read different people. They may, some people say that it is the love that you would have for one another that in all this, that, but brethren, I think it's more important to realize that we're talking about the love of God and Christ for us. Christ's love. And I think down there in verse uh, verse 18 or verse 19, you see the theme. He's talking about the love of Christ. Now, I know that when we understand more the love of Christ, it is going to affect how we love all the saints. I mean, there is a corporate idea to all this. You go over in chapter 4 and speaking about love, growing in love. You can see where people are getting that, and it may be ambiguous on purpose to say that it is both two things that are going on, that as, we, as Christ dwells in our heart through faith, we're going to love the brethren more. We're going to love more and all that. But I think it, if you were to lean one way, I think you want to lean this way to realize it is knowing the love of God in Christ for you. And that is, maybe it's not leaning one way, rather than just seeing it as a whole. Those things go together, knowing his love in that way. The love that Christ has for you. Being strengthened by the Spirit in our inner being. That we would be able to comprehend. You see that in verse 18. To comprehend. And then to know the love of Christ in verse 19. So we're talking about comprehension. We're talking about knowledge of the love of, the love of Christ for us. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And this idea of being rooted and grounded. Uh, rooted is this you know, plant imagery, right? You plant, you plant a plant, the roots go down deep into that soil, right? They, they draw nourishment from that soil. It secures them in that soil, right? You try, the roots go down deep enough, it's hard to move a tree like that, right? And he's praying that as Christ dwells in our hearts through faith more, as he takes up more residence, we're praying for this, God have the influence on in Christ. The result of that is going to be our roots going down deeper into the soil of God's love. Not that he would love us more or anything like that, but simply that we would be able to understand more 
of the love of Christ that he already has for us. And we would be established in that. We'd be grounded in that. Just like uh, well built on a well foundation. You build a house on a good foundation. Paul is praying and telling us that as this happens, you're going to go deeper into the riches and the soil of God's love and your comprehension, your understanding of it. And the result, that's going to have nourishing there. And also you're going to be more built up in that, more founded upon the rock as we already are but you guys understand that we're talking about understanding what who we are in Christ may have strength to comprehend with all the saints with all the saints we're talking about a corporate reality right a corporate reality of what we're saying what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love it here it's talking about the the vastness of it Right? I don't. It's not when it says the, the breadth and the width and the or the the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ. I don't think it's talking about two separate things here. You know, some people maybe try to say that, but I think it's all. It's just different. Really saying the same thing, but kind of different nuances there, if you will. The breadth, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. What is that? It's dimensions, right? It's kind of a it's kind of a picture in our mind. If I want to know how big a building is, I'll say, "Hey, give me the dimensions on that building, right? How how what's the what's the breadth? What's the width of that thing? What's the length? What's the height? What's the depth of this building? If I understand something about uh, the measurements that I'm given, I'm going to be able to understand. Okay, this is about how big this thing is. I'm going to be able to get my mind around it more. I'm going to be able to, in a way, to understand more the vastness of this." building and it's a and that's a picture for us of the love of christ he's saying that this is i mean this is a big thing that we're talking about here when we talk about the love of christ i mean i just imagine you know the the width how wide is it? it's like i can't see the end of the of how wide it is or how high is it? it's like i don't see the end of how how it goes there or how deep it's like i don't see the end of how it goes that way either it's like this thing's big what we're talking about here we could say it's incomprehensible thinking about the love of Christ. But what's interesting in this text is that Paul is actually praying that we would know the incomprehensible love. We would know that which you are unable to know. He's praying that for them. That is, unable to know unless aided by the Holy Spirit, unless strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner being, we're unable to know it, but yet we are able to know it, brethren, right? This vast mountain of the love of God this vast mountain that you could sing his love is a mountain that I cannot scale as wide as an ocean that I cannot sail yes it is vast and there is a sense we cannot wrap our whole mind around the love of Christ in that way it will be all of eternity as we're growing in that reality of that but yet Paul is praying that we would begin to scale that mountain if you will or he's praying that we would begin to uh, sail that ocean, this deep ocean of the love of God, this this vast, wide ocean, this love of God, right, that is so, so vast and immense that we would begin to understand it. We need to understand that, brethren, because what can happen is you can look at the mountain of the love of God and you look at it there and you think, man, that is so incomprehensible. And then it's like, well, I can't really wrap my mind around all that is. And then you go and look at something else, right? 
But no, what's the idea here? Paul is praying. He's standing at the foot of the mountain. There's the love of Christ. And yeah, he doesn't understand all that it is. It's so big, he can't see the top of it or all this. There's like some some haze and some fog, but he does see it. And he's going to stay there and he's going to pray until until the the fog begins to come, right? He begins to see, whoa, it's, it's higher than I thought it was. It's wider than I thought it was. He begins to understand. He stands at the foot of that mountain and gazes at the love of God in Christ. And he's praying that he would understand it. And he's praying it for the church. And as we do that, brethren, we will understand more of the love of God in Christ. You need to understand that. There's so much more out there to know. Here's love vast as an ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. The love of God, how vast, how big are we talking about here? Well, I think some of the hymn writers talk talk about talk well about it. In that hymn, The Love of God, it says, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man ascribed by trade. Think about this. All the ocean, all the water, let's just say that was that was ink, right? And all the skies, all the just all over the whole world, all the sky was parchment. It's like paper, right? We can write on. Every stalk on earth was a quill. You know the quill, right? The old school pen that uh somebody had explained this to me one time. But the the quill, right? that you put the ink in it, the old school way, right, to write like that. If every stalk on earth, the millions of stalks, were a quill, and every man was a scribe by trade. So every man, what they did all day was write. That's all they did. They took that ink out of the ocean. They were filling up their quill all day, writing in the sky about the love of God. It says, if to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, right? You would run out. We'd run out. Right? There'd be no more ink in that, that ocean. And the whole heavens can't contain it, right? I mean, you'd, even if you write really, really small, there's not going to be enough, enough room for that thing, right? There, even if it was stretched from sky to sky. Something of the vastness. And Paul is so desirous for the Christians to understand this. I mean, this is the thing. This thing I'm praying is this. They would know as Brother Octavius Winslow said, what a boundless, fathomless ocean. We're talking about this cross-centered, gospel-centered love of Christ for us. Eternal love that moved the heart of Jesus to relinquish heaven for earth, a diadem for a cross, the robe of divine majesty for the garment of our nature by taking upon himself the leprosy of our sin. Oh, the infinite love of Christ. What a boundless, fathomless ocean to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you would pray, if you pray Ephesians 3 for the church, you pray it for yourself because as this revelation comes, it is corporately, yes, but also we understand it as an individual too, right? The love of God that he has for me. He loved me and gave himself for me you will begin to understand more of the love of God for you. And this is the key to being filled with all the fullness of God. Like the brother said the other day, there is no secret to the, uh, to the Christian life. That is true. There is no secret. It's just right here 
in Ephesians 3, right? It's plain, right? It's not hidden. It's not some mysterious thing that only some prophet on TV can tell you about or something, right? We're talking about right here, black and white ink. The, the way to the fullness is knowing the love of God in Christ for you, knowing the love of Christ. This is the way to fullness. And you need to understand something that in the Christian life, things pull at us and tell us that something else, even in, even in the Christian life for our sanctification, something else is going to be the way to the fullness, right? Whatever it may be. That's what Paul's dealing with a lot of times in his letters in Colossians. They're going astray to these other things like they want godliness, they want more of Christ, and they're being drifted, they're being led astray into other things apart from Christ. That's always the issue. Divert, he's always dealing with diversions from Christ. And this text pulls us right back to where we need to be, right? You set your gaze at the mountain of the love of Christ, and you pray, and you by faith, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, meaning that there is a responsibility even in us for this. God has to do it, that he grants us this, that Paul's praying God would grant us this reality, and yet by faith, right, through the scripture, faith is a view, faith is a, a, a look, right, that I'm being convinced of what God has said about Christ, and in those scriptures, I'm seeking to behold the love of God in Christ for me. I'm crying out, Lord, more light, Lord, on this. More light, Lord, that Christ would dwell in my heart through faith, that that result of that would be that I know more the love of God in Christ for me. Fullness, brethren. Fullness, that word. I mean, what is the opposite of fullness? I mean, what's the opposite of full? Empty, right? I mean, so, so oftentimes, the Christian, if he's being honest, he'll say, I just feel empty. Well, it could, be that, it could be that we're chasing after other things, right? The sorrows of those who run after another God will multiply. But it could be this one thing, brethren, that we forget that the way to fullness, the way to being filled up, the way to, to see glorious things and behold glorious things in God, is by understanding the love of Christ. It comes like, it's simple in, that, in a sense, yes, but it is very, very profound. And the scriptures speak about it in a simple way, and they also speak about it in a very profound way. There's a lot to this thing when we speak about the love of Christ. There's a lot more to see, right? Brother Paul Washer talks about just spending hours and years of his life studying the gospel of Christ, and he keeps finding more and more things, right? He said at times that he can't sleep at night just because of all the glory that he sees in the love, in the love of Christ. And it, you know, it, it, ought to concern, it ought to concern us in some sense because you can think about your own Christian life and analyze your own health and think, well, what is the Christian life? Well, I need to be faithful to God. I need to be faithful at my job. I need to be faithful in these areas. I need to do this. And those things are very commendable. And those things are... Uh, those things are really good, right? But you can seek to be faithful in all those things and miss this one thing about Ephesians 3, right? Because this here, this fullness, is what you're going to see in chapter 4 in in Ephesians, that it has to do with our maturity, right? To To mature is to grow in understanding supernaturally to have imparted by the Spirit of God in your inner being and your inner being with all your flaws and all that, 
in your inner being that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that you would begin to understand how vast, how wide is the love of Christ. That is, that is maturing according to this text in the Christian life. And brethren, we were, we were made... We were made to see glorious things, right? Don't forget that as a Christian. We were made, I mean, you see it in lost men, right? Why do men go to the Grand Canyon, right? Why do people watch athletes that are able to do things no one else can do? Why? Because we're made in the image of God. We're made to see glorious things. We're made to look at the Grand Canyon and, like the brother said, forget ourselves in the glorious sight of the vastness and the beauty of the canyon. And that doesn't stop when you become a Christian. That's not just for the lost man. We look at them and say, oh, they're running after all these other things. But brethren, for the Christian, fullness, brethren, yeah. seeing these things, right? Glory, right? All, when the Lord speaks, when we see the word of God, all in the temple cry, glory, yeah. right? These glorious things. It is an experience even. We're not talking about experience that you're going to somehow rise above temptation. You're not going to have struggles or anything like that. You're not going to have to wrestle with the evil one. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about real spirit-wrought understanding of the love of God in Christ for you. Reality, brethren. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, there's so many implications of this. Implications pastorally. Right? To think like, how is the congregation doing in this one thing? Right? Or I'm thinking about my wife. Okay, she's doing faithful in all these other areas. But yes, but how, is she seeing more of the love of God in Christ for her? Am I praying that for her, brethren? Are we praying this? Sometimes it's just we need to be re-reminded of this, right? Realize how much is out there. Because you know what, brethren? There's so much more out there. You know what can be ought to give us a healthy fear is that you can get used to realize to just get used to about where you're at just little foretaste of glory that right but there's so much more in this life i mean paul is praying for these things to happen in this life the to be filled with all the fullness of god we have this treasure in jars of clay but we have a treasure within us right to be to know more, to have Christ in us, to know more of his love. There's so much potential there. You know what? People with cataracts, you know, they get cataracts over their eyes. Some of you maybe have had that before. You know what's interesting? After they have their cataract surgery, they come in the office. At times, many times they'll say, I had no idea how bright things could be. I had no idea how the colors are so much more rich now. I had no idea that I was hardly seeing at all. And we can get like that in the Christian life, right? Well, cataracts on the eyes. Yeah, you see. You see the love of God. You taste something. Not saying that. God's faithful. But brethren, if, if we want to see more, you've got to go the means by which God is ordained. It is here. Praying Ephesians 3. More light, Lord. Show me more of the love of God in Christ. What you've done. What you've done to me. It's not a respecter of persons, this text. You don't have to, it's not for the super spiritual or anything like that. It's for the new believer. It's for the old believer. And if you're a new believer, you would do very well to understand and begin to apply this text in your life. I wish I would have learned it as a young Christian. It's almost like I'm beginning to learn, learn it for the first time. But looking at Christ, and notice what it says in verse 20. How much, how much do you think we should think as we're praying this? How much should we expect? 
from God really to do. I mean, we are in the body, right? You might say. What about in verse 20? Paul, this is directly connected with praying to see more of Christ's love. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all we ask or think. See, we pull that verse out and say, yeah, we can encourage ourselves in the prayer meeting with that verse in general. Yeah, that's right. But where is it connected with? We're talking about being filled with all the fullness of God, knowing the love of Christ. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. That means you can't even comprehend how big this thing is and what God can do in your inner being through praying this prayer. What God can do in the church through praying this prayer. Far abundantly more you can ask or think according to the power at work within us. All to the glory of Christ. There in verse 21. But brethren, pray Pray Ephesians 3 and pray it and expect it and gaze upon that mountain of the love of God and don't go any other place. Let all, the, all your reading, all your scripture, whatever it is, point to this, this thing, right? The love of God in Christ. The love of Christ for your own soul. That is maturing. That is the key. That is the key to fullness. And the means by which God has ordained is right here according to this text, is, is prayer, isn't it? Pray it, brethren. Pray Ephesians 3. Why not pray it 20 times a day? Why not even set out times of fasting and prayer? Lord, I'm praying Ephesians 3. Even if you don't understand all what it is, like I don't, even if you don't, Lord, whatever's all there in that text, do that in me. Do that in the church. God knows, right? He'd honor that. To be filled with all the fullness of God in this life. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, even this text is in more context of. Or the spiritual warfare that we experience of the enemy and the flaming darts and needing to lift the shield of faith. It's in the context of marriage as we're, Lord, we're working out things and seeking to be like Christ and seeing areas of need. And Lord, in our daily lives, as so practical this book as we go on, you put it right there, Lord, in the midst of practical things. And Lord, right after all this glorious truth, Lord, we need to see. We thank you that we do see. But, Lord, we pray that you would reveal more in our inner being, Lord, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith more. Lord, that we would know the love of Christ. We would know how vast it is. We would gaze, Lord, at that mountain. Help us. Lord, help me burden our hearts. Lord, we pray it. Lord, we pray it for the churches. Lord, we pray it for Sedalia. We pray it. Lord, for Colombia, there in San Antonio, the churches in Mexico, Nicaragua. Lord, over there in Nepal and Lebanon and in China. Lord, that you would show them and manifest to them the love that you have. Give them more insight, Lord. Fill them with all the fullness of God. Fill us, Lord. Take us a new height. Any unbelief, any, Lord, lackadaisical, whatever it is, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. 
And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.